Welcome to the Sweet Tea and Strategy podcast produced by Ackerman Marketing and PR. We speak with business and community leaders about challenges in their industry and marketing and communication strategies that have helped them drive their business all over a glass of sweet tea. My name is Beth Parks and I'm Vice President at Ackerman. Today I'll be speaking with artist and designer Diana Warner. Diana grew up in Tennessee with a passion for art. She graduated from the University of Tennessee with a Bachelor of Fine Arts with a concentration in both painting and drawing. She launched Diana Warner Studio in Knoxville and upon much success, relocated her studio to Gramercy Park in Manhattan. She has jewelry in 700 stores worldwide and her designs are seen often on the red carpet and on hit TV series. Diana has retail locations in Knoxville and Nashville, and her line has been expanded to include shoe lines, formal gowns, clothing, and now a Warner Home line with beautiful cabinetry and home products. So Diana, welcome to Sweet Tea and Strategy. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So in light of the name of the podcast and with you being a Southerner, Mm -hmm. what's your take on Sweet Tea? Are you a fan? I order my tea um, because my southern accent's so deep. When I lived in New York, I had to order tea with no sugar because if I asked for unsweet tea, they couldn't understand me. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm an unsweet tea girl, but unless or not, but unless my brother makes it. Mm. If my brother makes it, it is delicious. He does the whole brewing the tea and the. Sugar, maybe he puts juice in it. Lots of fresh lemon. Mm-hmm. That's sounds, my exception. Sounds delicious. What's your refreshing uh, drink of choice? Currently water. <laughs> <laughs> Water's always a good one. Well, thanks again for being here. We want to dive into your journey um, and uh, and start with how you got started. I know you grew up doing crafts, mm-hmm. um, and that inspired you. You're very artistic. Um, I'd love to know how you got from doing crafts, from going to the craft store, mm-hmm. into being able to have a studio. Um, yeah, I, that's a hard path for me to even figure out how I got there. <laughs> um, I actually always took art classes. I was... The weird kid that was an athlete and an artist. It was a nice, nice sort of balance. Always took a ton of art classes. I went to Farragut High School. Had a fantastic art department there. Um, Was very encouraged by them. But then, you know, was a little nervous as a Southern woman. And, you know, going to art school seems so weird. And, like, you'll never be able to provide for yourself. And it's scary. So I started out at UT in public relations and kept like missing art and had put together a business plan with my dad to purchase a piece of property down on campus. And inside that piece of property, I opened an art gallery to sell other people's art. I think I was still like scared to be an artist. So I was like tiptoeing in other Mm -hmm. people's and helping them get their art out. And finally one day I... I think I might have been at what's now Bliss. Um, We opened it. It was called Elation with Scott and Lisa. I think I was in the storeroom because it it morphed into opening that business. Mm -hmm. Um, And just decided I want to be making art and not selling it. And so I applied um, to the art school at University of Tennessee. And I had no idea. It was really hard to get into and a really incredible school. And I did not get in. And um, so I applied again um, the second semester and 
the head of the department, the painting, I, I, I was going big. I was going for the hardest concentration. I wasn't going to just, you know, go in for general art, evidently. Um, Michael Brocky, um, the second semester, told me that he let me in because I was brilliant, but I better learn how to paint. Um, he had some cuss words mixed in with it, and that was sort of how my art career started. I was terrified, shaking, you know, um, kid that was, you know, being told I better learn how to paint, and I was only in because I was smart. Um, Funny. Yeah, but I worked really hard um, and found out that art is really about vulnerability and um, had some, whether it's you believe in angels or people or whatever you believe, walk into my life and um, hold me accountable or open my eyes to what the real story was that I was trying to tell through art. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of kind of being scared and then stepping back and then stepping forward, um, but was able to graduate at a really high position in that class and with, um, you know, a major in studio painting and then a second concentration in drawing. So that, um, that led me to, okay, I'm almost to the end of your story. Yes. So that led me to <laughs> my senior year. One of those angels was an artist named Charlotta Westergren. She was still an amazing artist. She was doing the artist in residency program that I don't think anyone in Knoxville understands that exists at UT. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable. So she was an artist in residence and she was doing a show at the Knoxville Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. And um, she knew that I was very business savvy and asked me to basically manage the show, manage the, it was a huge show. You know, we had 75,000 payettes on and clovers growing and all this kind of crazy stuff. And um, so I was doing that and I showed up one day dressed and had a pair of pretty earrings on. And the director of the museum, I believe it was a director, was Donna Dempster at the time. And she didn't even say anything to me. She grabbed my hand and walked me to the store, the Knoxville Museum of Art store, and introduced me to Susan, who ran it, mm-hmm. and said, Susan, this is Diana. We're going to be selling her jewelry. Oh, wow. And that was my very first client. And That's so, amazing. Yeah. So for me, I was making, and I still do occasionally, but I was making these massive paintings. I was making art that took forever. And my therapy or my quick art was jewelry. And mm-hmm. I had been I had made that as a kid, and I kept making it. So much so that Michael Brocky, who's passed away but was the head of the department, came in my art studio and kicked, like kicked, like a soccer ball, my bead box into my studio and spilled it everywhere and told me to put the jewelry away until I effing graduated <laughs> because he thought it was a distraction. So as, um, as a smart ass, I started making giant paintings of jewelry. And my thesis he loved because mm-hmm. he was like, she's such a smart ass. I love it. And... Um, but that was my little thing, and that's really my little therapy became my career. Um, and I think having the fine arts training made me better at making jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what people forget or don't realize about fine arts training is that it's a ton of problem solving. Mm-hmm. So that fine art stuff affects everything you do going forward. Right. So it just took that one person yeah. to notice your mm-hmm. earrings for mm-hmm. you to get that that foot in the door. Yeah, not wild. And then um, 
Obligato picked up the jewelry after that, and then all these stores are on the southeast, and it was really maybe a year or less before I moved to New York City and managed to run into at a charity event I was helping with the crowd from Gossip Girl and they mm-hmm. were getting ready to film and wanted to know if I wanted to be involved and I you know told them I didn't watch TV I only watched SEC football and they were like well you'll <laughs> like this show and I was like okay whatever I've seen every episode like a hundred times so I yeah. liked it but um so got to know them and mm-hmm. became a staple with that show, which was really cool to be a part of. So when you had your studio mm-hmm. and it grew in Knoxville, mm-hmm. that must have been a huge leap of faith to just pick it up and move it to New York. Yeah. What, what were you thinking at the time? What was happening and why well, did you make those decisions? Well, um, I have a really smart little brother who is an architect that graduated his undergrad from Tennessee. And he, I was up there a ton for what's called um, a desk side. So you take your whatever you make or whatever your product is, and you go sit with an editor at their desk, and you walk them through it. Mm-hmm. And I um, was up there for a lot of those. Um, and, you know, I would stay in hotels, spend a lot of money on hotels. And um, he decided, well, he got a job in New York City as an architect. And so my brother, being the genius that he is, was like, well, why are you spending so much money on hotels? You know, you could just be, you know, sharing some place with me, mm-hmm. smart guy, because, mm-hmm. you know, then he got a bigger place. Yep. And um, and so we we went that, I was like, you're right, oh my gosh, I could help my brother have a better place. And um, and he was like, you really need to be in New York City. And, um, you know, it was kind of a slow thing. And my best friend, Rachel Nickel, now Field, from Knoxville, growing up, we met when we were in this grade that I don't think exists anymore called transition when you're too young for first grade, but too old for kindergarten. (laughs) And, um, and so we've been friends ever since. And she was beauty editor at a magazine up there. And she was like, you need to move up here. You need to move up here. So I had a support system. It wasn't just pack up and go. I had already had business established there and had worked really hard to do that. And I had encouraging you know, family. So my my parents, you know, they were nervous, but yeah, that's awesome. So what is it specifically about your jewelry that you think gets noticed the most? Um, it's, it's maybe very wearable, um, but also kind of stands out. So it's a statement, but also wearable. A lot of it has natural metal colors or natural looking metal but then it's juxtaposed with like something really sparkly. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it looks different. And it, it might not be that pretty. It just became popular, you know. But but I think it's pretty. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people do. I, I spend time sourcing nice material. Um, I like making things function. I'm a really big into you need to be able to wear this every day or with all these different outfits or it needs to change and morph. So I think, I don't know, I think it's just, it's, it fits with your life, you know? Yeah. So at some point in time, you decided to, you know, add a shoe line Mm -hmm. or expand your business. Yeah. Was your artistic uh, creativity going in different directions or why did you choose what you chose? Um, It was just a natural fit, you know, like jewelry and, and handbags became shoes and shoes became 
some clothing um, and dabbled in all of that. The shoes were really sort of the same idea as the jewelry. The shoes are pretty, but they're comfortable and healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing with the jewelry is that it's hyperallergenic. It's made from, you know, nice, nice material, but it's affordable. So it's, um, and the shoes were sort of, were, were a similar idea of that I want it to function, mm-hmm. you know, and the little tagline was walk a mile in these shoes. And, and have you done that? Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I actually, um, was in town last Friday and went dancing at the Knoxville Museum of Art mm-hmm. um, in those shoes. And then one of our friends also wore the shoes and we danced the night away. So yeah, no, it's, um, I've walked all over Manhattan multiple miles in those shoes. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And our feet. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so in New York, you have this great studio, mm-hmm. you're selling jewelry to stores and boutiques, and you mentioned Gossip Girl, mm-hmm. but then you also developed relationships in the country music. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for anyone that's looking to um, to get endorsements or work with celebrities mm-hmm. to get those relationships? Um, yes, and, and I would say keep asking, um, and then be open to like weird stuff, um, or not weird, but things that you wouldn't think of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gossip Girl, when it came across me, I was like, I don't even know how to turn my TV on, but sure, whatever. And had no idea it'd be huge for mm-hmm. my um, company. And I think if I had even if I had leaned in harder, it would have been even bigger. Um, but I was still trying to figure stuff out. And then I was approached by a company called Red Light Management. And they are talent management, and at the time, they only managed musicians. Mm-hmm. And there was a young manager there that was like, I approached her boss and said, I like this girl, I buy her jewelry, I've met her, I think we can make some money with her, um, I have some ideas. And from that, I ended up doing a partnership with Styx, the band like that I love from the 80s. Um, and they still play, and they're awesome. And, um, I still wear your jewelry. Oh yeah. And Tommy Shaw is a dream. He and his wife, Jeannie are amazing people. Um, and, uh, then I did a partnership with Tim McGraw and Faith Hill for mm-hmm. their soul to soul tour. It was the first time that they were sitting it down in Vegas. And so I had to fill the whole store with, um, and the whole idea behind the partnerships was making merchandise the, pe- that people would buy, like making a collection in their style. So making, instead of you going buy ugly concert shirt, but you know, everyone loves an ugly concert shirt to mm-hmm. sleep in or whatever. But instead of that being your only option, you could buy something that Faith or Tim might actually wear or Tommy or the boys might actually wear. Um, and anytime you do something new, you're going to get backlash and Lord knows I got it from the sticks fans. Um, but then they love me. I mean, I still get fan mail and, um, you know, and then with um, Tim and Faith, it was really well received, and they are the nicest people. Um, I mean, there's a few. There was I, actually there's many more partnerships. I just can't remember. Um, but just be open to stuff that feels out of the box. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I do think like desk sides are important. Um, I, I I don't know what they're called these days, but just email, email, email. Um, there's this brilliant um, girl um, that was my friend growing up that came to work with me in Knoxville named Laura, Laura Belsley. 
um, that studied public relations and she just was relentless and got my little face in Marie Claire magazine. And like overnight we sold, you know, thousands and thousands of necklaces. Um, you know, just be, be relentless. And if you've got an idea, but also be open, um, always tell people that the only way to be successful in business is to be Madonna. And then I unpack it and how, how is she successful? Because she's constantly morphing and changing and she's Mm -hmm. constantly relevant. Yeah. Um, that's great. So, you know, it just be open-minded and present to what's the opportunities are. Yeah, for sure. I know looking back on the past year, you know, 2020 was a real shit show, (laughs) different kind Mm -hmm. of year for everybody. Um, did you have any learnings or takeaways? Tons. Yeah. Um, well, one, we never shut our business down and we got, um, you know, a citation, which I have framed. Um, (laughs) and, um, it's my badge of honor Mm -hmm. and, um, I made a decision early on I was scared to death like everyone else. Like, what is this thing? What is this COVID mess? We're all going to die. You know, mm-hmm. what's happening? Um, but I made a decision that I would not lose employees and I would not sacrifice the hours that they needed to pay their bills. And I I knew that I kind of buckled up knowing that I'd probably empty my savings to keep my company open. And just, it was one of those high gut punches like, okay, well, yeah, like everything you've, you know, been working for is probably going to go away right now. And then you're going to have to build it back. So it was one of those things where you kind of felt like you were looking up a mountain, like, shit, haven't I been here before? Like, haven't, mm-hmm. you know, um, or, or one of those feelings where you want to throw your hands up and say mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, we just decided um, to put our head down and to, to just go forward and we never closed. And we just kept being really good at our jobs and whether that was serving our clients and and it was really a lot was just pretty much Knoxville based during COVID. Um, or, you know, we, we traveled a little bit, but not, but in the Southeast mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, and we did, we just were like, we're going to serve our clients however they'll let us. And they might just tell us to F off and and see you in a year and and maybe they will. Um, Mm -hmm. or maybe it will grow. Um, I do think that, if you have the energy that downtimes like in the economy or is when you will grow the most as a person and when your business can grow the most, Mm -hmm. if you have the energy and you are stubborn enough to put your forever eyes on and, and, and look 500 yards away because you do, you have to look a year down the road. You have to look two, you have to look three. Um, and you gotta, you gotta keep looking, you know, when, when, you get distracted, you got to refocus. Yeah, definitely. I always try to plan, uh, you know, 10 years out, Mm -hmm. but then you have to be able to morph in the moment. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great takeaway. So with your studio Mm -hmm. in New York, your store in Nashville, Mm -hmm. your store in Knoxville, you also have a new adventure with Warner Home Mm -hmm. that we would love to hear about where you're a design partner Mm -hmm. um, and have all these lovely home products. Yeah. So how did that how did that come about? And was this pre-COVID? Did this bubble up during COVID? It was pre-COVID. Um, it's kind of been, you know, bubbling up for my entire life. Like, I would always just help people or clients that I liked, you know, do design work. Um, and not really ever charge for it. And I think I probably still don't charge for it, but somehow it's working out. And um, 
And I was, I was really good at it. Like I was just good at decorating. Like I haven't been to design school. I can't be called an interior designer. Um, but I was good at decorating. And um, what I really, really like is helping people do their job well. And so what I decided to do was to open um, like a company that could help designers, like actual interior designers, do their job really fantastically. Or if a client didn't have an interior designer, we could hook them up with one, or we could act as our decorator. And it's been fantastic. Um, I I love design. I love cooking. I love um, fashion. And they all kind of merged in the kitchen. And so we have a beautiful um, line of custom inset cabinetry, which is like, I, I don't even... You just got to come over, you know, you just got to come see it. Like, it's just that good. Even the pictures are beautiful. Thank you. It's just, it's just that good. And, um, and so what we also have, what people don't know is we have a line that's like crazy affordable. Mm -hmm. Like if you wanted to flip a house or if you wanted to put something in, you know, a a house that you're like, look, this is the price point that I'm going to top out at. And I don't want to outprice the neighborhood. We are very upfront with people. We're like, let's, let's do what's best for you. And um, the fact that our overhead is so small, our quality and our, our value, what you're getting, is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never, you know, advertised really. It's all word of mouth. And, you know, posting some pictures on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have intentions of, of advertising and, and working up to that. But right now we haven't. Um, and so the cabinets are fantastic. We, we um, sell um, at wholesale tile um wallpaper we are the new pharaoh and ball which is a company out of the uk distributor for east Mm -hmm. tennessee um which means that we can create designer accounts um for we could make an account for a public you know person that walks in and sell to them but we can also create designer accounts and architect builder accounts for people who want to use a nicer healthier product and pharaoh and ball is i mean I, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, you walk in, and you can tell when a room is painted with it. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. It looks like whole thing's airbrushed. You're like, whoa. Um, but, and it's healthy, which I think is so important. Mm-hmm. And, Definitely. And there's washable paint, which is great, because, you know, kids are licking walls and writing <laughs> on them and all that kind of stuff. So, yes. The crayon does not come off. Yeah, but it's been... some elbow grease. Yes. It, it comes off of this paint. But it's um, it's been really fun to be able to service people who I really admire like Mm -hmm. interior designers and builders and um, architects with those products so Mm -hmm. that's great um so we talked earlier about how when you were starting your journey how you were afraid Mm -hmm. um you know being an artist does not make a lot of money Mm -hmm. especially initially um a lot of uh you know entrepreneurs or young people that might be listening to this podcast might have an idea that you know would take some doing to get off the ground before it would make a penny or um painting or mm-hmm. artistry or jewelry making mm-hmm. what is your advice for anyone who's just starting out that has a budding idea that mm-hmm. maybe seems out of the box or mm-hmm. out of the ordinary um and they might be getting maybe some doubters mm-hmm. you know going well you know can you really do this yeah um you know, any words of wisdom? Yeah, I mean, when I changed my major, when I called my parents to change my major or to tell them I was changing my major, um, well, I was point blank told I would make more money dead than alive. 
and they were really, really upset about it. But as a pretty logical person, I was like, well, I could always teach, you know, like I had a backup plan. But I would say, one, if you don't have haters, you're not doing your job, um, and you're not doing something new, and you're not doing something out of the box. So that's okay. Haters is okay. But um, you can't run on empty. So um, you could run straight in, head in, throw everything you have into this dream. And that sounds fantastic. And it sounds like an Instagram dream or a YouTube dream or something that would be great. Um, but guess what? The chances of you making it are really, really slim. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you do, you might burn out. So my advice would be work really, really, really hard at your side gig and have some sort of stream of income to sustain you but work really hard and be okay with sacrificing things like relationships or friendships or social time. Um, if you don't make sacrifices in your 20s, if you're a young person, um, you're not going to have what you want in your 30s. And I have a lot of friends that didn't understand the path I was taking, and I took it pretty early in my 20s. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, I mean, so my mom even said, like, I wish you had a normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's always going to be that, but you have to forge your own. Right. And have and, that drive. Yeah. And have that drive and make sure you have balance because you will burn out if you're not careful. And I did when I was, oh, 34 or 35 and I shut a lot of my company down. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I've had to learn balance as well, but, but having, having it be sort of a side gig while I was making income um, as a young person enabled me to buy more into my side gig and mm -hmm. then my side gig. And it wasn't very long. It was pretty quick, but my side gig became my gig and then mm -hmm. it became every, a lot of people's full-time job. So, right. um, but I would, I would say think logically, um, but dream big. That's great words of advice. So uh, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. Um, this was an amazing conversation. Um, and thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed Sweet Tea and Strategies podcast today. Uh, to hear more conversations about business strategy and communications, visit thinkacroman.com. And we hope you'll join us again in the next edition of Sweet Tea and Strategy.